Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story is snatched from the headlines of entertainment news. There were so many entertainment stories in the news today, but yours tops the cake. What was it? Well, I'm sure you heard about Whoopi Goldberg. She's been suspended from The View for two weeks by ABC News after comments she made during a discussion about a Tennessee school district's decision to ban a graphic novel that depicts the horrors of the Holocaust. I'm going That's to tell Mouse, you, by the way. I, Mouse, Mouse, which is really famous, yes. well-regarded, actually have some of his stuff. I mean, he's not my political kind of guy, but it's uh, very, very well-respected. I actually, a, a German... Jewish friend of mine who still lives in Germany gave me his stuff. It's like iconic to them. Well, they were discussing how it was banned. And I'm going to tell you what Whoopi actually said in full and how the others reacted in real time, because I haven't seen that anywhere in any article. Do you, do you know what she actually said? The length of I, her statement? I, I thought she said that it wasn't about race, but it was about man's inhumanity to man. That's the only things they're reporting. Right. And they're kind of leaving off the man's inhumanity to man. They're kind of saying, oh, and she also said it's about man's inhumanity to man, as though that were uh, an aside as opposed to the purpose. And they don't mention that she elaborated in detail about what she meant. Oh, you know, you should be able to not have to speak in sound bites for more complex thoughts. Right. Well, here's what she said, and then I'll tell you what I think the actual purpose of the story is. She said this. She said, let's be truthful about it because the Holocaust isn't about race. No, it's not about race. It's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. These are two groups of white people. She said, the minute you start talking about race, it goes down this alley. And then she goes, now let's let's not let it go down that. She's trying to say, let's not let it go down the race alley because it becomes all about race is what she was trying to say. And she said, let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. It's a problem. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, black, white, Jews, Italian, everybody eats each other. Then one lady said that the one of the ladies on the the panel said that the kids need to learn about the Holocaust, to which Whoopi said they need to learn about man's inhumanity to man, however it exposes itself. So she was delivering a message of it shouldn't be about race because it becomes all about race when you make it that. It's about wow. the way that people treat each other and people treat each other horribly regardless of race. And that's the problem. So she was actually delivering a pretty good message. And nobody on that panel disagreed with her. When she first said it's not about race, hmm. there was a couple of people who kind of said, well, it the Holocaust was about white supremacy. Yeah, well, it's genocidal is the is is the racial element. It's genocidal. It's taking somebody because of their, it's actually an ethnicity. You say it's a religion, but really it's, uh, it, I think that it's largely ethnicity and that's, that's genocide. But well, that's, and that's where I'm going to get into about the yeah. trap that they're trying to set is getting right. into the details of that. I think that that's a trap, right? Okay. But I, I, nobody disagree after she, but yeah, she's not wrong. After she elaborated, no one disagreed with her. No one pushed back other than that other than that initial comment. No one was upset with her. They were kind of just accepting it as 
the reasoning she was given, and then they moved on to the next set segment. Then all of a sudden, afterwards, she gets suspended, and it becomes this big outrage. She apologizes. She goes on Colbert's show. Colbert does what he does. He represents that view. How dare <laughs> you say this her. horrible thing? <laughs> so that's what she actually said in full. She right. wasn't making a flippant comment. She actually had a, a point she was trying to deliver, and she tried to deliver it at the beginning of the segment. Then it kind of got away from her, and then she made sure to deliver it at the end of the segment. Now, here's why I think this story is in the news today, because I think it's a trap. I think that this is a trap to get people on the right to defend Whoopi Goldberg so that they can then be <laughs> framed as racist Nazis and deplatformed oh, wow. or and have it had, used against them. Yeah. Now, but the, you don't think she this controversy was was anticipated she probably was just saying that because she says stuff she she takes chances sometimes yeah i don't know it could have been either way it could have just been something something she said and then they saw the opportunity because like i said in the moment there was no outrage no one on that panel was outraged in the moment right and and just the very fact of what it was it was I, i don't know why they banned it i can't remember if it's if it's what what was controversial about it it's just too harsh I, I have a thing. It's controversial. Yeah. It's it's Black History Month. And everything this month, I see story after story today that is about race. That is driving why did home they the ban racial that division. Book? Oh, ban the book. I thought you were talking about what was controversial about. No, why did they ban the book? Oh, the only thing I heard the people on Joy Behar say about them banning the book was, this is so upsetting that they're just trying to ban books that make, the, any book that makes white people seem like they're bad. So that was her because angle. Yes, I think. It. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was I don't know just why very, very upsetting. I don't remember. I had the book I have of his is in the shadow of two towers, which I'm sure is complete propaganda. I don't even remember looking at it. But I always thought it was cool because his name is Art Spiegelman. Like Art Spiegel is mirror in German, so it's like Art Spiegel man, mirrors man. Like I always thought his name itself like was kind of a statement, but. uh but yeah, I didn't. I never thought of it as like super duper upsetting. It is in the form of a cartoon. Yeah. But why? But but the very fact that they banned it. Now I'm not really prepared. I like I. Sh- I didn't expect to talk about this, so I otherwise I would have looked at the book. But I think they could have anticipated in just banning it and then running with that story that someone somewhere would say something that could get them to have the kind of conversation that you are saying is a trap. Well, yeah, I think it's a trap. By the way, the sales of that book have apparently gone up on Amazon, yeah. which happens when you of ban course. things. But that, that's what this is a, an example of a couple of things. It's an example of there was really no outrage in the moment. And then later on, a public re- relations campaign was put together and they told people that they need to be outraged for this very specific reason because it didn't happen naturally. And secondly, we have what we have is people on the right now are going to be framed as being racist for defending an African-American woman's position on The View. Okay. Oh, right, because of, like, cultural appropriation yes, or something? Yes, she can... <laughs> no, well, no, she can say it because she's black and she can, she gets oh, a pass. Oh, so th- it's a trap. So, yes, yes it has so to be if a white guy says somebody, the exact right. same thing she says, right. they are a racist Nazi. So defending right. that position makes you buy uh, a racist right. Nazi in the media's eyes. Okay, I had a couple of more things from that story as I heard it yesterday it was on the local news that I thought, okay, they're talking about the right wanting to ban books, but it's really, it could be like a Pizzagate thing where they get the right to talk about coded language and then the left uses it against the right. They, 
I, they want to ban stuff like Mark Twain. Yeah. The left wants to ban stuff that are classics that demonstrate context of history and profound character features that what I loved what John Taylor Gatto said, like, don't ignore literature. Like if, if a, an entire work of literature elicits a single observation about uh, the humankind that had not been articulated before, that makes that thing worthwhile. Don't dismiss literature. So when they go and ban stuff that may be uncomfortable, I mean, art is uncomfortable. Mouse is uncomfortable. I guess Mark Twain is uncomfortable for some people. I really never read Mark Twain, but I think that talking about who's banning what and why is not the same as saying you can't ban books. You can take them off reading lists. You can find things that are age appropriate or appropriate for the clientele, that that's what they want their kids to learn. But just banning books, making books unreadable, I think is coming. I should clarify, because Whoopi clarified this. The other people on the show didn't. They didn't technically ban it. They just took it off the required reading list. Okay, yeah. See, that's what I thought they were doing. And they were doing that with, like, um, sexuality in the younger age groups and including homosexuality. So they were just like, this is not... We don't need to get into these sexual themes at that age was something that I also thought was part of it. And that, I think, is completely responsible and valid. I know someone who's completely traumatized by seeing a, a kid, a little kid, by seeing, like, sex on a YouTube video. Really fucking traumatized. It's not appropriate at a certain age to find. And my son was reading a, like, a, a book about animals, and he was just traumatized because it was it looked like it was for kids. And in the end... It was like not right for him. But I also thought it was weird her response. Tell me if this, if you find this a little weird. Said, my words upset so many people, which was never my intention, of course. I understand, although sometimes she intends to upset people. Yeah, but they didn't upset anybody until the media told them they needed to be upset. Yes. Yes, I understand. Okay, so, and then she says, I understand why now. And for that, I am deeply, deeply grateful because the information I got was really helpful and helped me understand some different things. Does this not ring a bell to you where you are, you thank people, like you say something that as a liberal, you really shouldn't have said, but you thought it was logical at the time. You thought it was something you could defend. And then when somebody from whatever different perspective tells you what an asshole you are you say thank you yeah it does have you i mean i've seen that happen it's indivisible type stuff yeah yes anyway i thought that was interesting. yeah thank you for it's usually a liberal white person saying thank you for educating me on my racism is usually what it is right that's it good i knew you would get it yeah okay Right. I thought that was another way she was modeling. Yeah, totally. What, what you want to see. Okay. Well, I, that I think that was worth going back and forth. Thank you for that. Um, I have, this is probably not worth going back and forth, but I have this Jeff Zucker story. He's out at CNN. He stepped down and there's just things that are weird about this story. He's out because he had a, he failed to disclose a consensual relationship with a colleague. They'd been working together for 20 years. Apparently their relationship changed in nature during COVID. Zucker was divorced in 2019 
So it looks like those were not overlapping scenarios. They might have been because these people were working together for 20 years. But it reminded me of like the sordid kind of backstory around him. So his, I think his contract was up in 2021 anyway. Warner Media is merging with Discover and he's not going to run it. And he's going to report somebody he didn't want to report to potentially. So he was probably not going to last out the year anyway. But I thought and I thought it was interesting because Roger Ailes went down in a blaze of sexual scandal when he stepped down from Fox, too, even though he was dead within a year. So my guess is he was leaving anyway. This was when I said, like, the, you know, blaze of the going down like a, you know, in a bomb or whatever in a nosedive was like the new golden parachute. It's just strange and it was weird that the issue was that it was not disclosed and i think it was not disclosed because during the investigation of chris cuomo i think that was it but yep. then i stumbled upon that this chick allison gollist she was the cnn cnn's marketing chief she had been there since uh now zucker had been there since 2013 at cnn gollist had been there since 2012. So I guess she predated Zucker, but her job before that, for a couple of months anyway, was that she was Governor Andrew Cuomo's communications chief. So just just briefly, so before CNN, she was she was worked for Andrew Cuomo. Then she went to CNN, Zucker went to CNN, and that's right when Chris Cuomo also went to CNN. And I thought that was weird. She had worked at NBC with Zucker before that. And remember, it was Zucker that put Trump on The Apprentice and helped him, apprenticed him as a media star back in the early 2000s when Zucker was head of NBC. So I just think that there's a lot of you know, a lot can be explained by these relationships. So so she's a Cuomo guy, Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, Zucker, they all go to CNN. And there's this weird, in my opinion, incestuous relationship between a governor and then the free press that's supposed to keep the politicians honest. And of course, we saw how that didn't work out. And then I also thought it was weird how Zucker gave Trump like nonstop attention when he was running for president, nonstop. The word came down, go nonstop on him. Keep your attacks superficial. That was one complaint. I did a whole expose on it. And I feel like the way to get Trump elected was to have CNN say that he was every Republican's worst nightmare to act like you were running scared and give him nothing but PR. That was his thing to say, no PR is bad PR. Like that was his whole, uh, we've read quotes from him and everybody knows that's true, but he uh, delineated that as a strategy or articulated it expressly. Yes, I will add one detail that CNN had received a letter from Cuomo's lawyers demanding preservation of all communication between Zucker Comms chief Allison Gulist and Andrew Cuomo. And he didn't give it. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying that that's I think they're implying that's one of the reasons he stepped down. So he didn't have to give it. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Try, trying to before, okay, before well, it comes it, out or I don't know. I don't know. All this, the details says, yet. this says that he failed to disclose the relationship during that investigation. But if you're saying it was really that he didn't produce communications because he didn't fess up to the relationship, 
that would so I have deliberately read the Fox article because I thought it would have more details and that definitely wasn't in there but I believe that so that's a detail that probably is important I'm sure they're covering up some of that yeah I don't think we know the full story on this yet or maybe we never will who knows yeah, it's some sort of stunt, though. It's these people are all involved well, I, I in don't, stunts. I don't, I don't know if it's a stunt, but he's he was going to go anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he went out looking like a good guy, I guess, stepping down. Okay, I don't think so. Well, he went down. He was going to leave anyway. Oh, but it makes him look like he had like he, to leave he, because he, he recognized it was a problem, so he's stepping out of the way as opposed to Roger Ailes comparatively. Okay. I think that's how to be framed anyway. They'll frame it as him as a, an example of what you're supposed to do. But we'll see. Okay, so there was a, another story today that related to the beginning of Black History Month because I think this is <laughs> the time they're going to use to push the racial division. And it was about these HBCU, these historically black colleges, have are closed yesterday and some of them might be closed today as well because of bomb threats that they received on the first day of Black History Month. Now, that's what the story emphasizes in the opening line. On the first day of Black History Month, they're closed down because they receive these bomb threats. But then you go on to find out that... This was the second time this week, so it happened earlier this week, I guess Monday, and it also happened last month. They'd received threats that... So why wasn't it reported last month? <laughs> why wasn't it on the cover of the news every so, MSM? See, that's perfect. That's propaganda. Because yeah. they propagate it when it suits their narrative. Yes. Even if it's already happening all the time anyway. Right, and then they emphasize the first day as though it didn't happen previously. Okay, now, now I'm not saying it's not a racist person. It might be. I have no idea. It might be. It might be a false flag. It might be right. not, you know, maybe true, maybe not true. But it could be completely true and just pure propaganda because of how and when it's reported. Absolutely. And the way they're talking about this, the FBI, Homeland Security, is there referring to it as a, an act of terrorism. Every comment on this is, this is an act of terrorism. This is, and they say it's likely racially motivated. Likely, they presume up front that this is a racially motivated, you know, bomb threat. And that it's likely somebody who's like a Trump supporter. That's just a presumption, even though we know that over the past few years, we've seen hoax after hoax after hoax that was blamed on someone who was allegedly going to be a racist and turned out to not be. We had the Bernie Sanders guy who was a black guy who desecrated the Jewish tombstones a couple of years ago that they mocked people who said that might not be Trump supporters who did that. So I don't know if this is that. They do say that they have identified six people, and I thought that this was interesting. They said... The FBI says they've identified six persons of interest around the country, all juveniles who are suspected of making the threats. The official says they appear to be tech savvy, using sophisticated methods to try to disguise the source of the threats, which appear to have a racist motivation. But you don't know who they are. So you don't know who they are. It doesn't say that they're white. No. It just says they are juveniles who are tech savvy and appear to have racist motivation. Why do they appear? Give us more details on that. They don't give us any details on why, other than they ha- other than this happened on the first day. It could be former students. Yeah. I, we have no idea. But at what least they, I would think, if they're basing it purely on the race of the suspects, they should tell us the race of the suspects. Yes, and I would pose this question: Who does this benefit? Does this benefit a group of racists to get the FBI on there? Well, Is it going mean, to grow the their whole, group? That's the whole nine eleven thing. Why Fangul would Osama bin Laden bring down the weight of all of the 50 percent of the world's defense dollars on 
his corner of the world. Why, you know, why would you do that? Yeah, just, and don't call in bomb threats. It's just, I mean, I think, I don't know. My speculation, there's a lot more to this. It could be a yes. little false flaggy. I agree but, with you. I don't know. But yeah, like the other story, it might not come out. That other story did come out, but this one might not. And that other story with the guy who did it was like a media guy, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was a super fishy story. So I just have a quickie. I think our last our last two stories go together. They're probably both pretty quick. It's just sick and disgusting. But the national debt has reached $30 trillion, $30 trillion. So this is obviously not something that is ever going to be paid back in within the paradigm of our existing system. And since we have funny money, it's we're not going back to the gold standard. I can tell you that we are probably not even going to have paper money because they're going to move us to the digi dollar and maybe the collapse of the whole system will be what gets us to kind of beg for a new monetary system or force us into a new monetary system. And I just want to put this in perspective. There's our GDP gross domestic product is $24 trillion, which definitely reflects inflation. But you know, like it's been a little more inflationary that was last year, but that makes the total public debt and I keep looking, I think that's the federal debt. I think you would add state and local on top of that, but it might include the state and local. I was trying to pull it out, but anyway, it's 125%, which is when it's more than 100%, you really got to start worrying. And right now, the last time, the for the last fiscal year, 2021, there we only paid... Third, $300 billion in interest, $300 billion in interest, which means that you're talking about like a 1% interest rate there. That's a 1% interest rate, which it is. It's very low and it's very low for the government. They're raising rates right now. And if you go back historically, interest rates were, were always, except for the recent kind of post-2008 period, always much higher than 1%. So let's just say it's 5%. 5% is a realistic kind of rate. And if we were to pay 5%, even if it's less than that, but if you were to pay 5%, that means that our interest that we pay would be one and a half trillion dollars every year. That alone would be enough to double our deficit. We would never not have a deficit. And that's all money that we're getting nothing from. That just goes straight to the bankers. Bankers who produce the money out of thin air because the Fed allowed them to do it. It's really really messed up. Anyway, uh, that's like a true tax slavery. And even at less than 5%, even at like three and a half percent, you still have a trillion dollars of interest. Well, I'll tell you a story that follows perfectly right up with that in the XR. Before we get to our deepest dive of the day, where we may finally get to the bottom of the Neil Young Spotify story, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR which is, did the vaccine throw a wrench in Biden's Supreme Court plan? And Spotify has lost yet another big-name podcaster. We'll tell you who that podcaster is, along with a companion story to Monica's debt story here. But before we get to that, I want to thank our sponsor of today's show, LibertyGear.net. LibertyGear.net is an online store filled with masks, shirts, and cool posters, has protest gear, the Obey mask, the PSYOP mask, the Flatten the Lies mask, and a lot of other funny, weird stuff to lighten up your day. Even if you don't want to wear a mask, you sometimes might find yourself in a situation where you need to. 
because a business requires it. So if you're in one of those situations and you have to go to that business, you might as well put on a mask that symbolizes what you believe and puts a smile on people's face. So go through the website right now, even if you don't want to buy anything. Chances are there's something on there that will give you a much needed laugh in the crazy world that we're living in today and maybe even a souvenir to remind you of these crazy, insane times. And if you're looking for something that you don't see, they take requests. So you can email them through the website and they love new ideas and perhaps they can customize something for you. Get 10% off all the merchandise with the promo code PROPAGANDA and all lowercase only at libertygear.net. And if you have not yet, check us out on Rockfin at rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Rockfin is an emerging pro-free speech, pro-liberty, pro-decentralization video platform where we get to say the things that YouTube no longer allows us to say. And what you're going to get from us on Rockfin is ad-free drive time, news blast, XR Monday through Wednesday with DNB XR live streamed with video every Thursday exclusively on Rockfin. You get all Propaganda Report deep dives where we reveal the plans of the controllers and then we hear what they say and then we hear Biden say it weeks later. It Like clockwork, he is their puppet. It's unbelievable. And you get our interviews posted early release with video when available. And you get the content of all the other great Rockfin creators on the platform, of which there are Sam Tripoli, Whitney Webb, Jimmy Dore, The Mad Ones, lots of great content on there, all for $9.99 a month. Subscribe today. Rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Now on to our deepest dive of the day. This is the deepest dive of the day here on the Drive Time News Blast. And it is an entirely locals sourced code crack. Stella and Cam both put pieces of the puzzle together. And I think we can safely say that the Neil Young Spotify rift wasn't just Neil Young waking up in a bad mood, listening to a Rogan podcast because he's a huge fan, and then saying, gosh darn it, we have to put an end to this uh, back and forth dialogue between different doctors and regular people. So this is something that's been going around, I guess Stella picked up on it, but just recently that... Neil Young sold half its his catalog to Hypnosis, H-I-B, H-I-P, Hypnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, our, our Francis Bacon podcaster is going to love that. <laughs> so Hypnosis is a British company. They bought, they buy catalogs. So they bought the Neil Young catalog and their idea is what they kind of promise is that they will maximize revenue they'll increase the revenue so the artist won't make half of what he would have made otherwise he'll make more than half of what he would have made otherwise but he can get a lot of money up front and um continue to have an ownership interest in his own stuff and even if his music lasts i think the copyright lasts 70 years after your death he's not gonna be around to enjoy that but this financial entity can let him get the benefit of that money while he's still alive. So that's what he did. Now, hypnosis, so that was in January 2021. In January, in October 2021, hypnosis, which has assets of about $2 billion, accepted an investment by Blackstone to the tune of $1 billion. So Blackstone is the alternative asset manager that spun off from BlackRock. So you've heard our deep dive on Fink, which is that's a big public company, the largest asset manager in the world, uh, of, and it's of mostly public companies, if not exclusively. But Black 
Stone is a smaller one. Uh, not you know, it's, it's not small, but it does a whole like does real estate. It's involved in like buying up houses, little single family homes, all that kind of stuff. So they bought this, and the story is that in August 2020, Blackstone put on its board a the former CEO of Pfizer, yeah. Jeffrey Kindler, Kindler, but he retired from Pfizer in 2010. That's a long time. I'm sure he still owns whatever. But to me, it's much more interesting that Blackstone is on has a page on the World Economic Forum and Pfizer has a page on the World Economic Forum. So Blackstone is the one that that is greatly influential, like just in the money way, it looks like they kind of own half of hypnosis. So when I went to look into hypnosis, I actually Googled Neil Young hypnosis or or just hypnosis, quote, morals clause, because there's a morals clause in some contracts that say if you cause a scandal and the value of your brand is diminished, we are off the hook on this contract. Now, it's funny because it's called a morals clause, and I'm sure Neil Young would argue most vehemently that he was extremely moral, that he was in the moral position. So it would have to be a clause that said anything that diminishes the value, anything you do that diminishes the value of your catalog. Now, I'm not sure it does diminish the value of his catalog because he's exploiting other opportunities and he gets to say exclusive to whatever, Apple or Sirius or I don't know what. Anyway, so when I went to find hypnosis morals clause, I was directed to a page on the hypnosis website that said hypnosis and ESG. (laughs) And I just want to read you the paragraph that was right there front and center. If this begins to help you understand how maybe Neil Young wasn't acting alone. Cause one of the things that they do hypnosis, they, they kind of guide you. And this is why Stella was saying, this is like the end of independent artists, because at this point they're really telling you what to do and they're making the deals for you. Get And then I'll read you the paragraph. It's not going to be new to you. I do want to point out that we did cover a story last week about the World Economic Forum emphasizing the need to have artists, cultural artists, present oh, and yes. fixtures at all of these meetings next to politicians, next to world leaders. Yes, absolutely. That's true. Plugs right in. And also another thing Stella put on the Locals feed was the video of Klaus Schwab. I forget who he was talking to saying, when I go to these meetings, I meet people around the world. I went to visit the French president and half the people in his cabinet were, were former like young global leaders for world economic forum. And so these, yeah, this stuff, they are plugged into every position of influence. And of course I always say it's media politics and academia. I know I'm not the only one who says that, but for different reasons, and they obviously have their because those are the three. In the arts, where, but I meant media. I meant you know entertainment, yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. But because those are the three areas where the people don't actually, the practitioners don't actually. All they have to do is get people to believe it. They don't actually have rubber hit the road. Like if the mousetrap doesn't work, 
it works if you tell people it works and they believe you. Like, that's what politics is. So there's never does the rubber hit the road, yet they are the most influential. They are the ones who try to tell you how to think. It's really a terrible paradox. But anyway, so this is right on the hypnosis thing. To achieve our purpose, hypnosis has to generate attractive financial returns from our business. And to do that, we have to have the right resources and relationships in place to nurture them. This is a big thing. They keep pushing that. It's in your financial best interest to capitulate to our political framework because we're forcing it upon the world and you will be left behind. It says, as a consequence of the nature of what we do, and this is going to go to what you were saying, music, we have a profound influence on communities and society at large and recognize that this privilege carries with it significant responsibilities. An important facet of this is having a clear approach to environmental, social, and governance matters. From the outset, the whole team realizes there has to be a balance between the creation of financial value and providing wider social returns. So the ulterior motive, our ulterior motive is at the heart of our stated purpose. So they're admitting they have an ulterior motive, a political agenda behind their stated purpose of making money. The motive is to use the importance of our unparalleled catalog and financial clout as influence to improve the songwriter's position in the economic equation. What's good for songwriters is good for all of our stakeholders. The East, those flows into wider issues in society and the environment. So it's straight out of ESG stuff straight out of the World Economic Forum. That's hypnosis owned by Blackstone. It's got a page on the World Economic Forum. It's very clear that this is all that Neil Young is not deviating from the stated purposes of the people who own him and his stuff. No, it's stakeholder capitalism in action. Yeah, there you go. And I'll tell you in the XR how Cam pointed out the other side of the equation, how, how the White House is responding to to the Neil Young Spotify issue. Yeah, I saw that they had a comment on it. They have a comment on all the cultural little to-dos uh, this today. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, today was a weirdly environmental, I mean, uh, entertainment-oriented news day. I don't know why. Well, we know why. Because the World Economic Forum wants to use them <laughs> to yes, shape the yes. planet. They, yeah, yes, they, yes, exactly. Definitely, exactly, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, we got any shout outs today? Not today. We had so many yesterday. Although, don't forget, we do have a DPP on Friday and we have uh, this is I, I don't know if people have heard us on Legit Bat before. Big patron saint family, basically. Love they, Legit Bat. What? I love Legit Bat. Yeah. They make me blush. Now, that's, why, that's one of the reasons I love them. Great. Cocktails make me blush. They they are going to be our guests, on-screen guests for the TPP. And I just, I'm blushing already. So anyway, if you want to check out the TPP, make sure you're at least a patron of the truth on patreon.com slash propaganda report. Fantastic. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content I was telling you about, go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there. We will talk to you in the DNB XR or tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day.